So welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Friday Film Club. Something I haven't really teased, but horror is all about the element of surprise. And so here we are with a Scream special, uh, just following the release of Scream 5, or Scream, um, as it's officially called. And joining me are none other than friends of the show, a couple of guys who have been guests on season one, and I'm delighted to invite back. It's Ryan Showers and Amar Karim. Welcome, both of you. Hi, thank you. Now, Ryan, hey, um, obviously, yeah, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. So, Ryan, uh, before we dive into this, give everyone a, a bit of an overview as to uh, uh, the, the, is it Scream with Ryan C. Showers? Is that the name of your podcast? That is the name of my podcast. So, yeah, I go by, you know, my my name that I go by uh, for like journalism is Ryan C. Showers. Um, and my, my podcast is called Scream with Ryan C. Showers. And we, on my show, um, I do uh, deep dives of topics related to Scream, um, you know, plot, character, themes, whatever. Um, we're about 32 episodes in now, um, but uh, it's it's been a really amazing ride. I actually just had the directors of the new movie on my show um, just a few weeks ago, um, and that was just the wildest thing in the world. <laughs> and I've also had, um, you know, some of the the, the woman who produced the first three um, Scream films, uh, who was Wes Craven's filmmaking partner, Marianne Maddalena, she was on. Um, but mostly my podcast deals with just me talking with other podcasters or friends of mine about the Scream movies and what they're all about. It's, a, it's just a deep analytical dive, like the film critic meets the fan. And um, I do that a lot, very often with my friend Amar, who is also here with us. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's always been an honor and it's such a great podcast. I'm not just saying it because, you know, if you look at the podcast or you listen to it, it, it covers everything. And who knew that Scream had so many topics that we could cover and we're still going. So, you know, Ryan, Ryan has been quite gracious to have me on more than one episode, so I'm grateful. Yeah, um, and it, it is an exceptional podcast. Uh, anyone who hasn't yet listened, do check it out. Um, and of course... We've had both Ryan and Amar on the show before, so rather than go through the introductions, I'm going to plug my previous episodes. Do check them out. This episode particularly is all about Scream, um, so listen to their episodes if you want to find out what their favourite and least favourite films are. We're mixing it up a little bit with the questions on this show, so let's jump in and uh, let's talk all things Scream, shall we? So, kicking off, uh, what are your favourite moments from the Scream franchise? Um, so my one ultimate favorite moment is the ending of Scream 3. And I choose that moment because it, it's the moment where Sydney looks at the gate uh, or the door that opens and she kind of just smirks at it and walks off. And I know it's a very simple moment, but to me, that just tells you that here's a character that's been through a lot for three films. And she finally, you know, that, that story is put to bed and her fears are gone and there's no apprehension and she can finally move on. But if I want to go for something that's in your face and pure excitement, then I'm going to go with Gail's chase in Scream 2. I've, I've, I've dissected each of these first four films, and they've all got great moments. And that, to me, if I put it down, Scream 2 has quite a few that really stick out, and that, that for me is probably the, the most exciting for me. It's a favourite moment. It, even though I know what happens at the end, the, 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 the actual score that goes with it, it's just so intense, so brilliant, so well-directed, so... And, you know, I'm a huge fan of Courtney Cox, so I'm glad she gets away with that one. 
And um, I'm, one thing your listeners will figure out about Amar and me is that we happen to agree on most everything. Um, <laughs> you know, there are like, there's maybe 10% difference, or, but like we are very much of the same mind on a lot of things. So, um, but Amar alluded to it, um, the ending of Scream 3, there are so many amazing things about the ending of Scream 3 because it was supposed to be the end. So it's a very epic conclusion. Uh, the last 30 minutes are the most memorable in my opinion, um, basically every scene that Sydney has in Scream Three is one of my fa- is is one of my favorite moments. Um, in particular, I love the final battle between Sydney and her her brother Roman, who is the killer. And um, when they hold hands at the end, that's um, that's that's definitely my all time favorite moment. But um, I do really love um, Gail's chase scene in Scream Two as well. So I you know uh, I agree with my, my, I I agree with everything Amara said about that too. So I I have to just throw this out there because we we kind of touched on this before we started recording i'm not a big fan of scream 3 i i think it's oh my god no i, I, I think I'm, it's, on. I'm logging off right now <laughs> yeah i thought you were gonna ryan <laughs> i just i it it just it didn't it didn't get me so i watched them all in fairly rapid succession over the last week to prepare for this and I, maybe maybe by the time I got to the third one, just a little bit of fatigue set in. Maybe I should have uh, spaced out my viewing a bit more. But it felt a bit samey. Like, I get they were doing the whole sort of, you know, in every film they do this sort of meta, self-referential thing. It just felt like it went a bit too far and just crossed that line into silliness to me. I, so, You know what? It's, it's funny you should say that because... I can get that. I and me and Ryan have had this conversation for eleven years now. You know, I get what you're saying that you know about Scream Three and its slight silliness. But I think that you know my my eldest two have just recently they've watched all four of them quite recently, and my daughter turned around and said, "I don't understand why people hate Part three. And my son, who's not a fan, turned around and said, "Actually, that was a lot better than I remember." And I think that with, the thing with Scream Three is it's such a great finish or like you know it just completes the whole trilogy and i get that there's you know it the jokes go a bit overboard in my opinion but i just think the underlying story with with sydney and ryan will probably agree and add to this is just finished in in the most perfect manner in my opinion and um no i agree with that and like it's hard with screen three because screen three is so many different things you know there's three kind of main storylines and they all converge into one um so you have sydney's storyline which is very dramatic and very dark you have the Maureen Prescott backstory, which is, you know, a, a lot of people have called it like a Scooby-Doo mystery, which it kind of is, but I enjoy that. I like how deep, dense the plot is and ties, it ties in with me too. And then you have the Stab 3 plot, which does venture into silliness just because of some of the comedy that, that they're dealing with. And somehow for me, it all just kind of blends together to make this one big epic um, conclusion. Um, but Scream 3 really does, even if you take aside, set aside the, the comedic elements, if you just look at Sydney's storyline, I think that there's enough there to justify, you know, this movie's existence, uh, whether you like the Maureen Prescott backstory or, or the Stab 3. So it is yeah. controversial. I mean, it's love or hate, but yeah. I mean, it's the, the, the reputation has gotten better over time because part of the problem too is people have gone into Scream 3 with a very closed mind. And when, once you have like a negative thought, it just kind of builds and, you know, recycles the, neg- the negativity. And like, it's just... It, it, it's a it's a touchy subject and in, in the fandom it's the one part of the fandom that i think is toxic about uh, about our fandom to quote the new movie but um it, it's gotten better it, it really has it really has yeah i i for for 
all my slight distaste of, of, of Scream 3, one thing I did really enjoy about the film is that they, those moments where they basically uh, read the script back to you. Um, there was, uh, is, was it Scream 3 where they were, they were sat on the steps and the cast were saying, oh, uh, on page five, they, they say this. And it's, it's five minutes into the film, uh, like into Scream 3 as well. And I love how they just kind of, they're, they're almost, um, I don't think they're mocking the audience, but they're just having a bit of fun where they're essentially, because they obviously used to stab films as a, a way of kind of poking fun a bit at themselves. And I, I kind of like how they did that. Um, but that, that's one redeeming thing that I have about Screen 3. <laughs> I like that moment. But uh, let's move on. Um, what are your least favourite moments from the Screen films? I have one. I can play <laughs> if I can go first this time. So Scream 3 is my favourite. It's my baby. But the, the one um, thing I can't defend the movie with, with my life, is there's this sequence involving a fax machine. And it's at Parker Posey's house. And it's like a 10-minute sequence. And it's... I, 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 it's it's a very flawed sequence. It's one. It's probably one of my least favorite things about the original trilogy itself. Um, I, I just it's a fun sequence to watch, I guess, because it's a lot. It's very energetic and stuff, but the logic isn't there. It is kind of silly. That's the one part of the film that I really can't, I don't like. And if they took that out, you know, I would you know I would literally go to war for Scream Three. Um, but uh, I, I will say uh, there some of the things in the fourth film, like almost I was watching Scream Four the other day. And it's such a blast, like it really is. But in the film works best whenever the, the new cast and the old cast are, are intermingling or we're just focusing on the old cast. I think the scenes involving just the new cast are not good. They're, they're kind of poor. Um, for instance, like there's like the after party at Kirby's house where they're all just kind of sitting around before the violence starts, terrible. Like the introduction of the new characters at the beginning of the film, terrible. I, I don't like the I don't like when Scream Four just focuses on the new cast exclusively. Right. So Ryan Ryan quoted earlier that uh, he said that me and Omar generally agree on a lot of stuff. So I, I just wanted to show you that if you can see it says oh least favorite fax machine. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know I'm not copying his answers. I'm glad he went first. Yeah. If, if all of all the of all the sequences throughout the first four films. I think the fax machine is my, one of my least favorite moments as well for everything that Ryan said. So I'll I'll move away from that and I'll go to Scream 1. I just find that there were a few moments in there that were very 90s, you know, like when Ghostface pops into the supermarket or he's eavesdropping. I don't think that that would actually happen. Um, I think it's a bit cheesy, but it probably worked back in the 90s. So watching those sequences back, I, I do cringe a little bit. But apart from that, it's, it's a flawless film for me. So, mm. yeah. That's a good reference, Amar. Like that, uh, there are some things in Scream One where it feels almost like high schoolish in a way, like, or two. Like you're very much aware that you're watching a movie about kids versus like two and three. I feel like they're very adult, and you know you're watching a movie about adults. And I think that uh, I think that Wes, I think that the script in Wes, they were just trying to be cheeky and kind of poke fun at this, like the, the fact that the killer is in the bushes or the supermarket. But it, it's just it's not good. It, logically, they should have taken that that out. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, Wes Craven himself was just kind of getting getting to grips with the whole concept of what Scream was going to be? Because obviously, you know, Craven has come from this background of Nightmare on Elm Street, which was an incredibly successful slasher series, not exactly high end and not particularly intelligent. But, you know, he had this formula that worked. So when it comes to developing Scream, I guess, can we forgive him for any little um, holes in the first film because he was setting yeah. up this idea that turned into 
you know, scrape. Definitely, definitely. And I think and I think the 90s plays into that as well. And I've actually got the script and both those sequences are in the script. So he was obviously just going with that. And like I said, when I first watched it back in 97 in the UK and I was 17, I didn't think anything of it. In, if anything, I was like, ooh, Ghostface is here in the supermarket. That's freaky. And he's in the bushes listening. But now I've, I've matured a little. I just think where well, it could have got away with not having those in. But I think for the time they did work. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, we for, I, I can forgive Wes Craven for about anything. He made like four <laughs> amazing movies and he set, he laid the groundwork for people to make, you know, an amazing fifth movie. Like they're, the, 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 the quality that's in these movies, like all five individually as a, then as a whole, is just, you don't find that in any movie series, let alone in a horror movie series. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. And in fact, I was having this conversation with my wife as soon as we left the cinema um, after Scream 5, that as far as consistency in a franchise goes, Scream is at least at the top of horror films, possibly one of the best um, all time, uh, when you just look at overall from, mm -hmm. from start to end. But just to go back to your point, uh, Ryan, about, you, you know, you mentioned that something was a bit lacking without the original cast members um, in Scream 3. I'm going to drop That's a spoiler what? in here. So for anyone that, that might be listening that hasn't seen Scream 5, this is probably a good time to stop listening and go watch Scream 5. So what are your thoughts when it comes to the ending of Scream 5, where they essentially pass the baton over to uh, Tara and uh, Sam, was it? And they, they essentially set up the franchise to keep going with them two as the new protagonists. Uh, me and Ryan have already discussed this. Well, the first time I watched Scream 5, I came out and there was just, I think, I'm happy with what they've done there. Um, I always knew that it was going to happen, to be honest with you. The only issue I had with it was Nev Campbell's screen time. And I think I've come to accept it. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was meant to happen. It was going to happen. It was inevitable. You know, Nev and Courtney and, and David are not going to be wanting to do this forever. So they were going to move it on to someone. And I personally think that there was no better person than Melissa Barrera and especially Jenna Ortega for me to pass it on to. So I'm, I'm happy with what they've done now, to be honest. Mm. In in terms of like so I, I you know I went into Scream Five knowing that the trio wasn't going to be the center of, of of attention and I'm okay with that you know what like if Star Wars can do it with The Force Awakens then we should be able to do it with Scream and I think the way that they did it was pretty beautiful and the way that they made it urgent for Cindy and Gail to be in that finale like if they wouldn't have killed off Dewey there's no reason to bring Cindy and Gail back in the way that they were used so I think it all worked out. You know, I, you know, there's still a number of ways the series could go in terms of like passing the baton. I'm not convinced that Sydney, we won't see Sydney and Gale in Scream 6 and 7 if they, if they make them. So I'm okay. I'm, I'm happy with everything that they did. I just wish that Sydney would have had just one more moment to herself in the finale where she got to have like a, a zinger or a heroic moment. Mm -hmm. um, because really it's Sam and Tara and Gale. They all get a moment, but her. I, and I, I've, I've thought about it through and I've kind of warmed up to the idea that she doesn't get one because, you know, this is Gail's ex-husband who was dead. She's avenging his death. And Tara and Sam are the new final girls. They get to actually kill the killers. So mm -hmm. Sydney has been the hero for four films. So it's okay that, you know, we're doing something different here. It's just, if this was her last time, I, I would be a little bit like, I would be sad knowing we didn't get a heroic moment. But that's really my only complaint with the movie. I think they've clearly set it up for Gail and um, Sydney to come back 
as and when they want in future films. Yeah. Um, and, and also, we need to talk about Dewey's death a bit later in, in the episode. Um, but since we're talking about Scream characters, and that's a very tenuous segue, which Scream character do you most relate to and why? Um, well, oh, I, <laughs> it's <laughs> inside, like on the inside, I'm Sydney Prescott, but on the outside, everyone will tell you that I'm Gail Weathers. Like, <laughs> you know, I went I, I, I've told everybody, yeah, like I must identify with Sydney and be like, no, you're Gail. So I, I, I guess I'm a, I'm a nice blend of Sydney and Gail. Gail on the outside, Sydney on the inside. For me, um, I, I, I relate to Sydney's uh, fighter you know, style. I think what I, and I've said this before, what I, what I love about Sydney Prescott is that despite everything that's happened to her, she's still humble and kind at heart. So I like that idea. I like to feel that that's the type of character I am. However, if you ask anybody that knows me, they think that I'm Randy, hopefully from Scream <laughs> 2 and not Scream 1. So yeah, I was that geeky little film student guy at college and thought that I knew everything and, you know, would never get the girl. So yeah, that's me. I'm Randy, basically. Amazing. I love that. Well, Amar, you're also, uh, Amar is also kind of Roman from Scream 3. We kind of make this joke well, about, Amar, yeah. about me and Amar, like being Sydney and Roman. Uh, but, uh, you know, just wanted to like throw that out there too. We don't have to explain it, but yeah. Yeah, well, to, well, here's the thing. So I've taken about numerous different um, character, screen character, where they do a little test and see what kind of character you are. Nine times out of ten, I, I'm honest with you, I'm either uh, Roman or sometimes I get Billy. So clearly I've got serial, <laughs> serial killer tendencies that I'm not aware of. <laughs> well, it's just as well that we're doing this virtually then. That's all I can say. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I, I think it's interesting though that everyone uh, would, would probably say that they, they relate a little bit to Sydney. And it's that, it's that kind of that underdog syndrome, right? I think that yeah. we, all, we all have. Um, yeah. And I think the final girl just has has an appeal to anyone watching, and I think that's why it's a it's a successful formula. You know, someone fighting adversity. I mean, in a slasher film, very literally, it's it's you know life or death. So I just want to ask now, if you were a scream character as yourselves, how would Ghostface get you? I'm I'm telling you right now, Ghostface wouldn't get me because I would be Ghostface. <laughs> I'm honestly. You know, even when we used to have, uh, when Scream was a big hit in the 90s and I told all my friends about it, it was always like, oh, well, you've got the full costume, you wear the full costume, you know? So, yeah, I'm afraid I'd be Ghostface. Unless I trip over something because I'm clumsy, so I'd probably fall over a shoelace and he'd kill me. I've got to say, though, I'm looking at Ryan's background right now. Uh, he's got a Ghostface <laughs> mask sat right there, yeah, which makes me a little exactly, bit concerned. Exactly. You see, it's why I did, that's why I've got my camera angle this way, so you don't see my... <laughs> well, I, I, a Ghostface wouldn't get me. I would be the survivor, like, I, of the, in this, in the Gale Weathers way, I guess. Um, I think, I think Amar, you would go down, like, I would take you down as, if you were yeah. Ghostface and I was the hero. If we would that's literally that's be, exactly how it's going to happen. Exactly. But I would hold your hand, like Sydney holds Romans, like. <laughs> Interesting. And while we're on the subject of deaths in, in screen films, uh, I don't think there was one any more emotional than Dewey's in Scream 5. Uh, obviously, it's five films in the making. And personally, I found it heartbreaking because you know the moment, the moment that he he made that decision in the elevator to go back, you knew what was coming. Yeah. Yeah. And it was no less yeah. painful when it actually happened. 
no, no, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I, same here. As so, literally, as soon as he goes, uh, you know, who cares, Sam says, and he goes, I do. And I just, it was heartbreaking the way he said it. And I was like, you're so dead. You know, you, you're being this hero. You don't need to be. You're going back. And in my own head, I was like, well, how's it going to happen? And how poetic that Gail Weather should phone him and be the reason that he looks down and gets stabbed ultimately. Mm-hmm. So it was it was devastating. And it was such a brutal death as well. It wasn't, you know, just a knife wound. Um, yeah, I was like, there's, there's two deaths in that. And that one definitely is one that I, I thought about for a while. So. Well, um, and I agree with Amar. Uh, the thing about Dewey's death that makes it so emotional, why it's so well done, is not just the scene itself, which is really well constructed at the hospital, but like the scenes that kind of bookend it with, and he gets closure with Gail. You know, Dewey's life is a wreck, you know, um, and he really gets this amazing like three minute scene with Gail where they, I mean, I cry during that scene whenever they were just talking about their relationship and kind of, you know, smoothing things over. And then the scene after when Gail finds out and she, you know, uh, she breaks down with Sa- in, in front of Sam and then again with Sydney. Like, it's just, it, it's an amazing, like, 10 minutes, 10 minutes of film. And it's, uh, you know, the thing about, about it is whenever Gail is, like, kneeling down, like, on the ground, like, I, I, I it always strikes me when, I, like, I've seen it, I've seen the movie several times now. Um, whenever, uh, after we can't even see her face when her head's down, it just, all I feel is everything, I feel every moment that was in the original trilogy and in part four, you know, whenever he proposes to her, when in the hospital, in Scream 4, whenever he, um, he says it's you and me together like i felt every single one of those moments in in that moment where she, where her head is down it's just it's so beautiful um and dewey's death is well done it's it delivers i think it's the best death in the film probably you know it's epic and uh it, it, if he was going to go out they did it beautifully so are you are you surprised that they didn't also kill off sydney and or gail or no or not no, I they they knew they could only do one trio member. I think that they got around that that loophole by killing off Judy Hicks and Dewey. So we got two survivors, which is something completely different than before than any movie before. But um, I, if they would have killed off Gail or Sydney or both of them, it would have been too much, and the audience would have seen through it as this is a cheap hack job. Um, so they they made the right choice to move the plot. To they killed off the person who would move the plot forward, and it did so. Can I can I quickly add that um, not a lot of people feel this sentiment, but Judy Hicks' death for me was a sucker punch as well. And, you know, yes, yeah, she was only in part four, but I've always liked that ditziness about her. I think she's she's always had a good heart, but it's the manner in which her death was done. You know, lure her, you know, the, the guy phones her, he lures her in by, you know, pulling on her maternal, you know, instincts and saying that I'm going to get your baby. I thought it was so well done. The fact that she was crying, she was pleading in the car, running towards her baby. She calls his name and then whack, he literally gets her. And I was just, and that was brutal as well. So I was devastated by that and the immediate aftermath as well. I thought that was pretty uh, intense for me as well. Judy's death was amazing. Like I, I was very, I, I always liked Judy. I always thought she was charming and, um, uh, the way that I think that's that sequence, I actually think I prefer that sequence to the the hospital sequence because of the how surprising and shocking it is. Like, mm. You know, you would have thought as as Scream fans, we're conditioned to know that the survivor and the woman will get the final big moment at the end, but it's actually reversed here when Judy gets stabbed shockingly, and then we spend the rest of the sequence waiting for Wes to get um, stabbed. So, see, I I feel like there's a moment when you kind of know 
you start to realize it's coming with Judy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's that moment where in, in, in many cases they turn around, they they go to help their friend or their their relative, and that's that's kind of the death knell for a character when they do that. But I I think that was the most shocking death because of the timing. And you're right, it was that that surprise. Um, you're expecting her to run back into the house, um, have some kind of, of struggle yeah. or fight. But it was just, it was so cold in how they killed her off. And yeah, yeah, I, I agree completely. The phone call, I would actually say, is probably one of the best, if not the best phone call. I mean, I guess taking aside Tara's at the beginning, but uh, the phone call with Judy and the killer is intense. Um, <laughs> it's really good. And um, Mar- Marley's acting is, she's not, she doesn't get the chance to be as comedic here, but she really brings it from an acting perspective. So I, I really admire her more and more each viewing. So, Cool. So um, moving on, uh, what is your favorite reference to another horror film or franchise? Amar, you can take this one first. Um, I'm just going to go for a simple one, actually, because I've been thinking about it. And the, the best one for me was when uh, Principal Hembry goes around the whole school and he opens the door and he, he says something. And the janitor said, what do you say? And he goes, not you, Fred. And it's just Wes Craven in a uh, Freddy Krueger outfit. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty brilliant. You know, I'm going to go simple as well. And I'm just going to say um, Casey Becker's favorite movie being Halloween. Like, I know that sounds silly, like, in obvious, but, you know, I, I, I saw Scream before I saw Halloween. And that, you know, the fact that Casey Becker picked that as her favorite movie was pretty amazing. Um, and, like, it, it just opened up, it opened up my world back when I was younger. I will say in the new film, I thought it was so perfect of these filmmakers to cater to us as the fans. I know like fan service is not technically regarded as a good thing, but here, you know, in with Drew Barrymore, she was asked questions about Friday the 13th, like uh, Halloween, whatever, whatever. Um, Here, all the questions that Jenna Ortega is asked in the opening of Scream 5 are about Scream 1, about Stab. Um, So I have to say like, I I wasn't prepared for that. And the fact that like, you know, Scream 1, there's the question of, who is the killer in Friday the 13th? And she gets the question wrong because they're, you know, a technicality. Mm. It's the same kind of technicality that yeah. gets wrong in five. I thought that was brilliant. I, I also think it was a really clever way to not just recap the the first, uh, how it all started, but mm-hmm. to kind of introduce new fans to the series. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it's a really, a really little touch, but really effective for anyone that hasn't that kind of joins the the franchise late on you know yeah 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 finally uh, i think you you know what my answer to this would be um but if you could remove any film <laughs> of the five from the franchise what would it be and why i think amar and i will be the same here well, I, I, I'll, I'll go for... <laughs> yes <laughs> Number, yeah <laughs> I think, uh, so Amar and I are both picking Scream 4, you know, for, and I'll give my reason, he can give his. Um, it's just the most, like, the original trilogy is so sacred, and it follows the same tone, and has, like, one complete arc with the same characters, and you start have a start, middle, and end with the story and characters, and that's so important to me. And then you have 5, which is opening up a new trilogy, possibly, or a new series. Scream 4 does not have the same tone as the as the other films. It has this kind of, like, weirdly comedic cartoonish tone and kind of sense of comedy that it doesn't have like the suspense that the other ones have and Sydney's storyline doesn't have the bite that that she had in the original trilogy that's probably because her story's over in a way um so 
Uh, and Scream 4 is kind of a standalone reunion type movie. So I think you can easily pick, pick that one up and just put it to the side and most things would stay the same. Yeah, I'm going to have to echo everything Ryan said. I mean, I was showing him on the camera that I'd written down number four. I think, you know, everything that he's pointed out is, is the same reason. I also think that if you, like you said, if you remove four and, and Scream went from three to five, it wouldn't really make a difference. You don't miss anything. Mm. But if you removed three, for example, then that whole arc is not complete. So for it to jump to four would be just abrupt, in my opinion, regardless of what people think of three. And, you know, it's fine to dislike three or have it as your your last one. But I, I do think that that completes the original trilogy and the whole Maureen Prescott arc. So four for me would have to go, I'm afraid. Um, well, and, and the tone, I agree with. I agree with Ryan. The tone is is very different to the others. Well, and so, Liam, I assume you would pick three. I mean... Three is my least favourite, but I think considering what you've both just said, I, I couldn't agree more um, that regardless of how much I may or may not like Scream 3, it, it does complete Sydney's arc. And I think uh, Wes Craven obviously had that three film arc in, in mind. And I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more that, that if the question, as I put it, is which film would you remove from the franchise four is the obvious one to do because it's the one that that most easily slips out of that sequence yeah well, can i and I, can i just add like because i've as i've heard people like say, uh, say this like oh one if the trilogy were one two and four would be so much better i just figure like how can any fan of sydney prescott actually genuinely believe this you know this woman she you know has gets she would get no closure at all like you know we would last see her Hold it, walking away holding Derek's necklace on the campus of Scream 2. She's lost every single one of her friends. She's completely traumatized, you know, and we never deal with that trauma, only to go into Scream 4. Again, the last time we, the last thing we see of her is her laying with a bleeding belly on the hospital floor after her, her cousin tried killing her. Like, where is the resolution? Like, she, you could not get her to Scream 5, you know, where she's at peace, happy with kids and a husband without her dealing with that, those issues in Scream 3. So I just, I really take, I, I, I almost take it personally. And, and, uh, and don't forget that um, technically uh, the husband is Mark Kincaid because mm -hmm. they mentioned his name. It can't be anybody else. So if, if there's no Scream 3, we're like, who's Mark? You know? Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. Before we, we sort of wrap up, I have a, a bonus question that just comes to mind. And it was, it was off the back of a conversation I had after Scream 5. Now, there's a scene at the end um, where Amber is having a standoff with Gail and Sydney. And I think they, they shoot her and she falls back onto the, the gas hob mm -hmm. and it yep. sets her alight. And I, I was saying to, to my wife after that, that no matter how hardened that, that you would be as Sydney after what she'd gone through, she looked surprisingly unfazed at just seeing someone erupt in flames. <laughs> um, my, my wife has the opposite argument and would say that because of what Sydney's been through, uh, and because of how much hate she probably had for Amber, she probably wouldn't care that much. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts? I, I have to agree with your wife because, um, I mean, she does, I think it was Gail that kind of grimaces a little, mm -hmm. but I honestly believe that Sydney is just sick of all these killers. She really doesn't care. She wants to put, she says it. She goes, I want to bury this person into the ground. And like you said, you know, she's been through four different films uh, with multiple killers. By this point, she's just like, you know, she's ready. She's brought a gun. She's ready to kill these people. So yeah. I'm I'm glad that she didn't. And you get, like, it got to the point where Sam was stabbing Richie and I almost 
was like, well, good for you. You know, Richie deserves it. He's killed so many people and now he knows a little taste of his own medicine. So I, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Sydney and with your message, I'm afraid. I, I am too. I, I don't know if I, I, I don't think, I, I, it's not that I think Sydney's unfazed by it. You know, I, because I, both Sydney and Gail kind of watch, like in, they're, they're very captivated by it, whether they're like enjoying it or not, like, or whether they're like shocked by it or not. I don't know if that's the point. They're just kind of like, you know, I, Sydney has, you know, she's had her brother, her boyfriend and her cousin try to kill her. She's, you know, and plus losing Dewey was such a big deal. Like, you know what, Amber kind of had it coming. And, you know, I, especially with everything that was going on in that, that moment, like that's actually my favorite scene where Amber says, he died like a pussy and Gail punches her in the face. Like the best moment, the most satisfying moment of any, of anything in Scream 5. Um, so I, I agree with, I agree with what I'm saying. Fair enough. Well, I think we should, we should wrap it up there, but it has been an absolute pleasure getting you both on the show, talking about Scream. Uh, I have to say, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, re-watching all of them. And I think the fifth one didn't disappoint at all. Um, and hopefully that seems to be the consensus. I think it was a, a, a huge success. Uh, yeah. Are you expecting and or hoping for a Scream 6? I, I demand a Scream 6, to be <laughs> honest. You know, as a lifelong fan, I hope that Paramount and the writers and directors are listening and I'm like, I need a new trilogy. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna protest this if it doesn't happen. <laughs> I and I want another film as well. Like, I, I you know, th this has been such an amazing journey uh, going through COVID with this. That's been two years. We've been, we've waited for this really um, since it's like we got we got confirmed that it was happening. I would love them for so the the movie has been very financially successful. It's not like Halloween level success like the uh, 2018, but it's it's it exceeded expectations. It made it made back its budget and then some opening weekend. I would love it if Paramount would greenlight two movies at once, like put six and seven in the canon just so that they can properly write the story for, you know, and have like, have a destination. I don't think that will happen. I think they'll just greenlight six, which we'll, we'll take it. But um, I do, I, I do, I do want one. So I want to know more about Sam and Tara's mom. I want, I, I, I just want more. Awesome. Well, um, before I let you go, uh, remind everyone again, how they can listen to the podcast and how they can connect with you. Well, um, so you can hear me and Amar on my show. Uh, it's Scream with Ryan C. Showers. You can find that anywhere where you find podcasts. And um, you can, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me um, at Scream with RCS. Yep. And uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Amar Karim, which is A-M-A-R-K-A-R-I-M. Thanks, guys. It has been a pleasure as always. And I will, I will do my best to find a reason to get you back for the three call. Yeah. <laughs> That's... That's it for this episode of the Friday Film Club. I do hope you enjoyed it. And of course, you can listen back to all previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And remember as well to connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Fry Film Club. We will, of course, post links to all of our guest info in the show notes. So look out for that as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.